Former Olympic medalist and Tour de France podium finisher, Coach Bobby J invites you to put your socks on. Winning and losing, training and racing, agony and defeat, all of it comes down to understanding what works and what doesn't. For that, you need an experienced and accomplished coach. From insightful analysis into our sport's most iconic races and racers, to educational, entertaining, and actionable advice. Fizzo is an illuminating deep dive into the art and science of racing. Legends, fan clubs, at the races, super fans, and how it all works. Join Coach Bobby J alongside his outskirts visionary co-host, Gus Morton. Prepare to be prepared. It's time to put your socks on. Hello and welcome back to our final episode for the Tour of California. My name's Gus and as always with me, Coach Bobby J. In the background, producer Daniel, put your socks on, Sports Most Insightful Podcast. How are we doing, fellas? Excited to be here yet again. I'm super excited. Nice. So that was it. What a stage for the end of the race, huh? We thought it might have been a bit of a kind of easy roll into town. Nothing's going to happen, but the shit went down. Wait, Gus, are we gonna are we gonna introduce that it's stage seven? Stage seven, Santa Clarita to Pasadena. Also, today's theme. What is today's theme is packing up, moving on, striking the carney, bring, tearing it all down, and heading out of town. <laughs> brief, brief course description for today. My notes indicate that it's a witch's hat up and over. I like that, which is triangle. I'm getting a triangle vibe. Santa Clarita is a Boomberg, a suburb with a population reaching that of a major city, despite being connected to a larger city. This is boring. Moving on. <laughs> Largest employer is Six Flags Amusement Parks. Yay. Uh, the stage finishes with three laps around the Rose Bowl on a loop that has been raced every Tuesday and Thursday night for the last 60 years by amateurs. And my notes don't indicate it, but and professionals, along with professional mountain bikers, um, and my notes here want me to ask either of you guys, if you've ever done this ride, it's the Rose Bowl crit. And can I just tell you that I, I actually have done this ride. It's the, where I learned to, to ride a road bike. And I showed up for the first time. I had a camelback, a helmet with a visor, and I was listening to a Sony Walkman, Discman. And I had like, of course, like mountain bike pedals. And I was on a Cannondale Cad 4. It was blue. I was not really welcomed. I didn't know what a group ride was or how to ride with other people, but um, it was made clear to me that you shouldn't do it with headphones on. Um, it's a heavy it, scene down there. It's a heavy scene down there. Have you done it? Bobby, have you done it? I have never done it. I used to live about, I don't know, five Ks away from there. Um, I have involuntarily done it. I lived there when I was training, when I was riding fixed gear, like doing Red Hook. And that's in the car park there is where I learned how to ride a track bike um, and break on a track bike. Like I'd obviously raced a lot of track beforehand, but I'd never done fixed crits. And so I went into that car park and, and would race around it and then got the courage up and got onto the Rose Bowl. And then one day I was out there riding and then this swarm of wasps descended on me <laughs> and I was on a fucking brakeless bike, not really sure how to ride it and uh, was just enveloped in this in a group. I would have thought um, you'd be even less welcome on a brakeless bike than me on a bike with headphones on. I'm not sure which is more of a menace to a group ride. Right. I don't know if you know who you're talking to, but I'm I'm welcome everybody. I'm welcome everywhere. <laughs> I love it. People just Can open just, their doors to their homes and just like, mate, you look like you should. Come on in. We should note though, on the on the Red Hook thing, three Red Hook alumni in the race today, Ivan Cortina, Evan Murphy, 
Uh, not Evan Murphy, his brother. His name oh, was, he, was Kyle in the race? Kyle Murphy. Kyle Murphy. Okay. Love and it. Uh, 410 was in there. This is great. I love a little shout out to Red Hook. It's, it's yeah, not yeah. happening anymore. So that's it's anyway, gonna be. guys, what happened? Tell us what happened in today's race. Let's talk about today's stage. Men's and women's run over the same course. Both races were awesome. Yeah, I mean, the races were definitely not phoned in today on, on both accounts. I mean, there was a lot of attacks, a lot of shuffling, a lot of, you know, group changing and whatnot. Um, you know, that that climb up to Angeles Highway, uh, I've done that climb before. It's not an easy climb. But then on the way down, you know, especially if you're in a big group, you know, things can change. So, you know, both races definitely came down to you know, the flat circuits and, and a field sprint, which was great with the, the women with another young gun in the women's world of cycling, uh, Elisa Balsamo winning in front of, uh, Sierra, uh, Arlena Sierra and two Americans. Uh, the Americans got third and fourth, Anna Lee Gonzar and Chloe Digart. And I'm not so familiar with Anna Lee, but you know, Chloe is from yeah, the, is is from the show 2020 team uh and yeah you mentioned that we have that that great uh interview with with nicola coming up later in the show so yeah i mean you know these these stages are hard the last stage i think everyone always thinks like okay you know this is it let's put in the last final dig because it's a rest day tomorrow and it was very aggressive you know the women were were moving all over the place the, the race leader actually had to get up and cl- close some gaps herself. And, you know, it all came down to, to a sprint at the end. But, you know, super aggressive racing. You know, that's great that the girls did the same exact course as the guys. You know, hopefully next year we'll see a couple more stages tacked on to that. You know, they had a three-day three day, uh, race this year compared to the men's seven. So maybe yep. next year we'll have five and the year after that we'll have seven. Uh, I think they did a much better job of actually showing the race uh, on TV. So we had a little bit better um, idea of what was happening. Yeah, definitely. You actually see something today, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all in all, it was, you know, a great race. We want to see those sort of finishes. And the only thing I was a little bit disappointed about and that I didn't quite understand what happened was with Corin Rivera, like, yeah, her what bike happened at the finish there. I've got like, there's no word on that, but she was kind of yeah. in there, and then she just, she just kind of like swung pretty hard to the left. It looked like she kind of got touched elbows, and then her bike jammed or something like that. It looked like, which was a shame because I thought she might have been up for today. Um, she lives not far from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, again, that's bike racing. You get to that final couple hundred meters, and something happens, and you know, there's, there's no replay, there's no do-overs and that's what make the, makes the sport so exciting. Yeah. And it was, it was that pretty hectic finale. Then they caught the, the, uh, the break or what became a break, right. You know, a couple K from the finish line, they were chasing pretty hard. So it was good. It was, it was a great stage. I think, um, definitely great to see the race run over the same course as the men and also just, um, actually being able to see some of it there at the end. And we're just going to go across now to Nicola Cranmer, who runs the Showair 2020 women's team. Uh, their race has finished about an hour ago, and she's just going to uh, give us a catch-up. How are you doing? 
Good, thank you. Yes, I'm sitting in a parking lot at the finish of the Amgen Tour of California. The stage just finished and the men will be coming in in about half an hour. Hopefully it's not too not too noisy. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the organized chaos of the finish of a stage race where it just looks like a, a beehive here of activity. People, you know, trying to trying to get off their bikes and mechanics putting bikes on top of vehicles and getting uh, the transfer back to the hotel and then fly off tonight and some tomorrow night. You guys had a really fantastic race. What are your thoughts on, or your opinions on, on, first of all, just how your girls went? Yeah, we have a really strong team, which uh, consists of a lot of track riders. And this version of the Amgen Tour California was definitely the most challenging they've ever had. Lots and lots of climbing, including the infamous and almost legendary at this point, Mount Baldy, which was yesterday. Uh, one of our riders, uh, she finished in the first group. She got eighth place on the stage, um, Emma Grant. She's a British rider that came to us earlier this year, actually without a team. She had uh, iliac artery surgery uh, last year, her second one, her second leg. You know, teams didn't want to take a chance on her. And you know, we saw her as a really promising athlete and gave her the opportunity. And yeah, she rode herself into eighth GC, which in a women's world tour race is really really pretty significant. The field was very deep here. You know, some of the best climbers in the world uh, were here. So yesterday was a really good stage. Chloe just got fourth. She got pipped on the line for the podium spot by another American rider. So all in all, I think we're coming away from this with a lot of positivity. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great race for the team. Nicola, this yep. is Bobby. Um, hey, Bobby. You know, we, we know this is a long season. I'm quite interested, especially if you're trying to incorporate track riders into a road stage race program. Yeah. Like where does the tour, (laughs) where does the Amgen tour of California kind of fall in your phase plan for these girls throughout the season? Um, Is this part of a preparation? Is this part of the build phase? Is this Mm -hmm. the peak phase? Like where, where does this fall for your ladies? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Um, We've worked with multidiscipline athletes for many years now, and it definitely presents its challenges. But we, for example, for Chloe, uh, she has a little bit of a different schedule this year because she's got the two-pronged attack with the time trial as well. Um, So that makes it even more challenging. Um, But And she came off of an injury last year, so she missed out on base. So for her, this is definitely... A build phase, but it's a it's sort of a quick build. She missed out on world championships on the track this spring, but this is a build phase into national championships in June uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee for the time trial. And, you know, our goal, of course, for that is to um, secure her the win in the time trial. So that would be an automatic for world championships. And then looking forward from that, if she's on the podium at world championships, uh, which she was uh, a fourth place a couple of years ago. That would be an automatic for the Tokyo Olympics. Ampton Tour California is a build for her. She definitely needs this kind of endurance in her legs. She had a great Joe Martin. She won the Joe Martin Stage Race GC, and then she was second GC at Torahila, which is, you know, one of the the most challenging stage races in the U.S. with lots of climbing. So she's she's actually finding her climbing legs. Um, and she's got, you know, a quick turn of speed from the track. And um, we're just slowly developing her into a, a really good all-round rider, actually. I mean, she's been with the program since she was 14 years old. Wow. Yeah, that's what I find, you know, that maybe some of our listeners don't quite understand is, you know, you have 
a not just a plan for the race, not just a plan for the next month, but you're looking years down the road. You're looking at developing and, and it's not easy. You know, like you have to have that foresight. You're going to have those little bumps in the road, those little detours. But, you know, it sounds like you have a plan that you'll always be able to use as sort of a roadmap. And, yes. you know, obviously, you know, the straightest, you know, the quickest way between two points is a straight line. But we know in cycling that there's no such yeah. thing as a straight line, right? Yeah. There's yeah. those little detours, those little ups, those little downs. And, you know, as long as you can kind of stay in that zone of tolerance for that progression, yep. not the perfection, but the progression, yep. that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Ab and absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, you know, when we added 2012 to the name of the team, which we did uh, back in 2010, 2012 obviously was the London Olympics, and then we were 2016, which was the um, Rio Olympics, and now we're 2020. A couple of reasons we did that is one, you know, we're not, we're not anchored like a San Francisco Giants or the San Francisco 49ers. There's nothing that anchors the team. So it's hard for fans to just sort of keep track sometimes um, when particularly in women's cycling sponsors can change from year to year so we added that subliminal olympic message to our name what it also just represented to us was when kristen armstrong after winning her uh, medal in beijing she joined the program first as a director and of course uh, she had retired and was not intending to come back she really helped us create this pathway to high performance whether it's world championships or olympics and you know a lot of teams are driven by what their sponsors want and that is to win races every weekend but frankly you know a race comes and goes and nobody knows who won the race last weekend but people do know who won the olympic medals and I think that that is just a really uh, broad reach as well. Um, everybody knows the Olympics, not everybody knows bike racing. Um, so long-term goals are absolutely critical for us. And, uh, you know, whether it's developing a young athlete like Corinne Rivera, who also was on our team for six years since she was uh, 14 years old, and whether it's, you know, developing her so she goes to race in Europe, it's a uh, mission accomplished for us when, we see these athletes go and join a world tour team. I, I'm blown away. I didn't really realize that 2020 meant that. And 2016, yeah. it was about the Olympics in 2012 and that these girls have been around for so long. And, you know, I know that you have massive experience and, and having Kristen around is, is amazing. And Mari. Mari, I mean, yep. <laughs> man, oh man, you, you guys, this is like the women's version of the of, of Axel's team you guys are 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 developing this young talent and you're supporting them and actually maybe hoping that they move on to the next level before we wrap it up where the the, the theme of this show is kind of like the process of or you know what happens after the race is over you know what's that yeah. logistics look like and 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 and, and all that and you kind of touched on at the start you're in the beehive um yes. of the post-race so what, yes. what is it now for you guys? What, what goes on? Uh, so I'm still at the race. I have a couple sponsor meetings here, so I'll watch the men come in. Um, the uh, girls have all gone back to the hotel. It's about an hour and a half, so they'll be in Ontario. Um, they'll, you know, shower up, and some will leave tonight, some will leave tomorrow. Uh, the mechanic will go back and wash bikes, pack the trailer, um, and then he actually has a four-day drive, because America is so massive, um, to 
Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where we go to uh, the next UCI race, uh, which is a 1.1. There's also a USA Crits race uh, the two days before that event. And uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, get the show on the road and the traveling circus just uh, moves across the country from, from west to east. Thank you so much for your time. Well yeah, done you're this welcome. week, and um, let's you. keep let's keep touching base and keep following keep following you guys along uh, yeah. as we as we're on there. So, thank you very much. Bye bye. Take care. Thank you, Nicola. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, and congratulations to Anna Vanderbregen and her teammate Katie Hall. They went one two. Ashley Molman finished third from the CCC team. Uh, that was that was impressive riding yesterday, especially when I got to go back and watch the stage up to Mount Baldy. Um, you know, those ladies definitely lit it up with 4K to go. And, you know, the the two best kind of rose to the top there. And I thought it was, like we mentioned yesterday, that was pretty cool when when two teammates come across the line. And, you know, I don't think it was a gift because when you went back and looked at it, um, you know, Katie was was just as strong as Anna. And, you know, that was that was great team camaraderie, cooperation that um that she gave her the, the the stage win and you know congratulations to them moving on to the men's race that was uh like we said ran ran over the exact same course you know we, we talked yesterday a little bit about is this just going to be kind of like roll over and you know just let the race happen or is there going to be some action and we saw some action halfway up that last climb holy cow there there was people going everywhere you didn't know what was happening you were questioning and George Bennett was attacking and it looked like for a while, like when, when he did his first attack and he did his little arm flick, I started to question, does, does George and EF, do they have some sort of like little agreement there? But that was quickly, quickly <laughs> um, discounted because man, I mean, EF was well represented. They have a great team. They just lit it up. And your brother in particular would love to see his power file, what he, what kind of waddies he was pulling up that climb because he was just stomping on the pedals and not many people could follow. It, it shredded, didn't it? And, and I mean, like, first of all, like, Shackman been taking the race to, to everybody this year and he put himself in that break, put himself in the virtual lead. Straight away, it was like, this isn't going to be a procession. This is on. And I love that. I love, you know, I expected George to do something because we've seen all week um, he's been out to get bonus seconds here and there. He's just been out to race. And you got to admire that in a bike rider who's, who's as much about the craft of racing as they are about being able to be, you know, high watts per kilo and, and whatever else. And then, yeah, EF split that group down to 14 guys and then they fused with the front brake, became 25. Ask Green was in there. He was attacking like it was, man, it was uh, coming down off of, off of the range there into, into Pasadena, into LA. It was... Uh, it looked like it could it could go any way, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when that break goes up the road and Tade, I love that name, by the way, Tade, was a little bit isolated there a couple times. You know, it looked like, oh, man, this could go sideways really quick. But again, showing patience, confidence, and just resolve to not panic. You know, I mean, he's 20 years old. He should have panicked there a little totally bit. totally calm. It's annoying how mature he is for a 20-year-old. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, letting, letting some of his teammates come back and, you know, the group obviously expanded, you know, we, we knew that Askreen was going to be dangerous. He made his move. He tried. I think that's what you have to do. Uh, you can't just sit there and wait for it to happen. He, he gave it his best and it just wasn't enough today, you know, moving into the sprint, 
oh man, I tell you, that a sprint on a circuit like that with that many guys, you're just, it's not, if there's going to be a crash, it's when, you know, there was a, a touch of wheels. Luckily only one guy went down. But man, oh man, did you see the instant replay of that Profidis rider? The Confidence guy. And it, that's just like close your eyes and just and yeah. he was able to keep it, he was able to keep it up. And you saw how physical that sprint was. And that that's field sprinting. You know, we haven't totally seen that, you know, elbows and little head nods and let's face it, Rubbin's racing. You know, you don't take your hands off the bars. We know that. But, you know, those guys were just getting batted around. And, you know, they had the camera really zoomed in on my pick of the day, Travis McCabe. And that poor guy was just getting knocked around like a pinball. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, having been on the national team, uh, these world tour guys are going to be like, hey, I, I can take this wheel. And I just thought, even though Travis didn't win, you know, he, he held his ground. You know, he, did, he wasn't disrespectful. He wasn't you know, arrogant, he wasn't aggressive, you know, he just took it on the chin. And that that was great to see, even though that he he didn't win. But coming into that final sprint, man, that was that was just pure, pure power. Wrapping it up, it today had it all right, like, climbing, there was a lot of tactical games being played out. There was a bit of a few desperate kind of moves, there was some opportunist moves. And then we had a brutal uh, out and out field sprint, some some hooks being thrown, some riders coming down, mate. Tour of California. The first, uh, the first four or five stages might have been pretty, pretty hurting, but uh, the last couple of days have been fantastic, uh, and I think it's a great way to end that race. Is this a good time to to jump in to to with our super fan, and he can ask us a question about today's theme, wrapping it up? Yeah. Is he on the Is he on the line? Guys, thanks for having me once again. Excited to be here and uh, finish off this week with you. Um, exciting race today. A nice finale to a hard week for the riders. We talked about it yesterday a little bit, but these have been some long, hard stages with plenty of uphilling. Talk to me about how it feels to survive all week and finish a stage race like this versus how it feels to have to hop in the team car early from either getting sick, crashing out, or in Taylor Finney's case, getting time cut earlier this week. What's that dynamic like? Oh boy, that that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, as a bike racer, you always want to finish. And that's why we see guys finish with broken bones, you know, kinesiology tape all over them, uh, bandages, because the worst feeling in the world is having to abandon your, your team. Uh, it happens to everyone, but getting in that car is, um, it's like crossing a threshold back to reality because you're in a bubble, you know, you're mm. getting taken care of and, you know, massaged every day. You have, you know, food everywhere. And then the moment that you get in that car, you're, it's reality. It's, you're not getting all that stuff. And it's a very hard transition. It's a very brutal transition. And you just want to get out of there as soon as possible. And a lot of the times because of, you know, where you finish or the nearest airport or you can't change your ticket, sometimes you're forced to stay with the team for a couple of days. And that is the loneliest time you could ever spend because, you know, you, you were in the family, in that circle, and now you're kind of not, and you don't know 
you know, how to, how to breach that or, you know, where you should take your distance. And, um, you know, it, it's a, lo a lot of things go on inside your head. So, you know, not being able to finish a race because of an accident is one thing, you know, being mm -hmm. time cut, you know, they're all the same. If you have to abandon your brothers, abandon your family for one of those reasons, it's the worst feeling in the world. So, so let's say you're, you're stuck at a, a sage race an extra couple of days with the guys. Tell me about the etiquette, like around the table. Are you kind of just quiet off at the end? Are you, is it okay to ask for a massage if you're still sore from a crash or are you just kind of like keeping a low profile, Bobby? Yeah, you're definitely keeping a low profile because, you know, the, the staff works incredibly hard and you're not going to ask them for a massage or, you know, to even put water in your water bottles. If you have to go out training the next day, you're pumping up your own tires. You know, you're trying not to be a burden to, to the team. Um, and that's, that's, that's very, very difficult, uh, to do. And that's why, I think the best thing to do when, when a rider does have to abandon a race for one reason or another is just get him out of there because you don't, you don't want, he's not going to recover any faster in that situation. He's going to recover faster home. I always referred it to the race after the race. Like you're, you're together for a week, two weeks, three weeks, but you just want to get out of there and back to having coffee out of your own coffee machine sleeping in your own bed, petting your dogs, kissing your kids, hanging out with your wife. And it, it's kind of crazy how it's like all of a sudden after a race, it's like a grenade just explodes. Like everyone's going in so many different, different directions. And it's almost anticlimactic. Like you wish that there'd maybe be you know, a party or a dinner or a debrief or something like that. But a lot of the times it's just like, get the hell out of Dodge. That makes sense to me. I, when you were talking about the, like the moment it hits you, like you're in the, you get, you buckle your seatbelt in the plane and you're like, you, you know, it's like finally behind you. And then you just, all of a sudden it hits you like, like an avalanche probably like you just the all best of a way sudden, to describe it sudden over like i when you were talking about that bobby i was like yeah i could i well i can't i can't i can only imagine but uh, yeah the best way to describe it is you go from being the most important th person in the world and everything being done to you to a guy who's sitting in your aisle seat on the plane that you just raced to make and he's already fallen asleep and so you've got to sit in the middle and both those two dudes have been working on the roads for the last week they stink and thank you so much that was fantastic that's the end of the show the end of put your socks on tour of california the pilot season bobby j coach bobby how fun's this been man this has been a blast maybe we should do this again in july yeah i'm thinking about it i'm thinking uh maybe we get together like around the 5th or 6th of july you know 20 21 days 22 days just Speaking hang out yeah that sounds just about right so, yeah, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It's been a fun ride. Um, subscribe to it. Keep your ears peeled for the return of the pod. Pod is God. Bobby J, put your socks on. Thank you, guys. We out. Vela News Voices is a new multimedia platform featuring a collection of cycling luminaries, each with their own distinct point of view and channel. Coaches, athletes, movers and shakers, visionaries, 
the old guard, the new guard, the vanguard. VeloNews Voices is how and where the story of our sport is being told now and into the future. Fizzo is hosted by Bobby J and Gus Morton, produced by Manual for Speed, edited by Eddie Rogers, and a special thanks to our anonymous superfan. Don't forget to share, follow, and subscribe on SoundCloud. Okay, okay.